All right, how are you guys doing? It's good to be here. You can't, somebody just, you got a hundred bucks. You came to church and you got a, a hundred, that's pretty, that's a score. I'm just going to say it, it's a score. So yeah, like Sabrina said, my name is Jake. I do work here. Um, currently I'm employed. We'll keep that going. Uh, hopefully, we love seeing you on Sunday mornings too. Uh, so if you are uh, part of this ministry, we don't want just you to be a part of a college ministry. We would love for you to be a part of a local church. Uh, so love to see you on Sunday mornings. It's always fun uh, seeing college students around here. And I get to jump in in a series you guys are, are in the middle of where you're talking about um, finding satisfaction. You got love, belonging, purpose, joy. Uh, and tonight we're going to talk about joy, uh, which score for me because who doesn't want joy? Any show of hands that you don't want it? You're like, I was, no, what's the question? Everybody wants joy. Like, that's something universal that we're all after. It's a part of the American dream. Uh, you're promised life, liberty, and what? The pursuit of happiness. Like, that's part of America. Like, come and, and chase after it. Go pursue it. Pursue your own happiness. And, and this, everybody's after that pursuit uh, in this world. Everybody's looking for joy. And it influences everything that you do. Whether you realize it or not, the, the major that you're doing, where you want to live, who you hang out with, it's like, does this make me happy? Is this going to make me happy? Is this going to make me money, which will make me happy? Like, we're all in this pursuit of joy, and it's influencing everything we do. Everyone in the world, literally, is pursuing joy in their life. Now, sometimes when you look at the world and the people in it, you raise some serious questions where it's like, I don't know if you really know how to look for it. Like, maybe we, we want it, and we're looking for it, but maybe we're not good at looking for it. I mean, we chase after momentary pleasures, and we know where those are at. We can find those fine, but that's not like lasting joy. It often ends in regret or, or, or problems follow. Uh, we look for it in relationships, and we, and we crush other people by putting you know, our happiness and our joy dependent upon them. And if they don't deliver, then it kind of crushes them. We look for it in relationships, and we look for it in, in wealth. Right? If I just had more money, then I'll be more happy. But you guys know the saying, like, right? You, you know, money can't buy you happiness. You're like, yeah, but it can buy a boat. <laughs> it, can buy, it can buy a vacation home. It can buy trips. You know, it can buy enjoyable things. And it's like, that's true. But we all know plenty of really rich, unhappy people. So it's like, that's not a guarantee. That's not locked in. Like, that's going to deliver lasting joy for you. But we look for it in, in all the wrong places. But, but here's an interesting um, thing that you may maybe not realize. The Bible actually commands joy. You're like, how can you command an emotion? Like, either you feel it or you don't. But you're like, commanding me to feel some way. But when you understand Christianity, that command makes sense. Like, joy is the natural response to understanding the gospel. And Christians should be the most joyful people Around. Sadly, that doesn't seem to be the case, and it might be like we're missing something if joy as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, is not a dominating emotion in your life. But we can kind of feel this tension between our own pursuit of happiness and our Christian devotion. Like those two things are against each other. Like this thing, I think, sounds fun, and I want to do it, and it's going to make me happy. But I don't think that lines up with me being a devoted follower of Jesus. So I'm, I'm put at these crossroads. Like, what am I going to do? Am I going to do something that, you know, seems like to be a good time? 
or am I going to follow Jesus and do something, uh, you know, or obey him? And, and there's like this tension, like they're, they're opposed to each other. Um, but we have some serious joy confusion when we go looking for joy. Like we're just, we're just confused. And that's kind of the essence of our problem as sinful human beings. Like if you go back to the beginning, the Garden of Eden, like these Adam and Eve are in paradise like, this, this is good. This is like a good place to live. It's, it's a sweet setup. But what do they think? I think we can improve upon this. <laughs> you know, I think I, I want to be like God. I'm going to try to up my game. I'm going to increase my joy in disobedience, and it, it messed things up. Like, we have some serious joy confusion. And there's this paradox in Christianity that I think we trip over a lot because in the world we think if I'm going to pursue joy, it involves adding things to my life. Well, as soon as I get married or as soon as I get a job or as soon as I make this much money or as soon as I have this car or as soon as I get that phone or whatever it may be, like I need to add things for my joy. But so much of Christianity is not addition but subtraction when it comes to our joy. When we realize like, I really don't need that to be happy. And I don't need this, and I don't need this, and yet our joy increases. So here's, um, here's what I want to do tonight. I want to help you be smarter pursuers of joy. Not more passionate pursuers of joy, because you're already passionate about your own happiness. But in our passion, sometimes we can be foolish in our pursuit of it. So I want to help you be smarter pursuers of joy. As somebody maybe is just a little bit older, um, you know, I was in college once. Um, my wife was pointing out several gray hairs tonight. I was like, enough. I'm, I'm attractive. Tell me that, right? <laughs> but like a little bit more life, I want to just kind of plead with you and help. Like, could we be wiser in our pursuit of joy? We could be smarter um, in how we do it because I think often we're just foolish in looking for it. Like, have you ever played hide-and-seek with little kids? If you've been a babysitter, I remember when my kids were little, we'd play hide-and-seek. Like, that's something dad can do. You know, we'd go hide, and they'd, you know, they'd count, and then they'd come and look for me. And they're, like, looking in the cabinets. And I'm like, are you an idiot? Like, <laughs> have you seen me? Do you think I would fit in that cabinet? Like, why are you going? Is, dad, is daddy in the fireplace? No, it's a gas fireplace. There's a glass, like... I'm not in there. Like, why are you looking for me there? Like, they're just foolish in their pursuit of it. And sometimes, like, we laugh at that. But in our own, like, the way we look for joy, it's like, really? You think that relationship was going to give that to you? Oh, you were looking for it on that weekend? Or, that, like, that's where you thought would deliver it? And we can be foolish in our pursuit of joy. So a win tonight. If I could help you be smarter, more wise pursuers of joy um, th- this is going to be a win because we, we can often be foolish in our pursuit of it. In fact, there's a C.S. Lewis quote. You guys know who C.S. Lewis is? Okay, here's a quote. You may have heard this before, but he said this. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. And then he says this, we are far too easily pleased. He's like, this, this is your problem in your pursuit of joy. You just have too low of standards. Like you settle for these things. Like you're fooling around with drink and sex and ambition. Like, like that's going to deliver it to you. And he's like, oh, you're just settling. Like you have no idea 
what infinite joy is offered to you. So you're just kind of messing around with these other things. In fact, when I was young, um, like elementary school young, my grandparents took uh, my family, because my family, we weren't going to do this, but grandma and grandpa chipped in the bill, and they took us to one of those all-inclusive resorts in Mexico. Um, and from a boy from Iowa to go there in the winter, and like there's a swimming pool, like this is, this is amazing. That and nonstop all-you-can-eat buffet was pretty exciting, even at that age. That was pretty cool. Um, but you come down in the, in the uh, hotel, and there's a swimming pool, and then there's some, some huts, and if you kind of walk through, you find the beach and the ocean. But I didn't, I didn't clue into that. I wasn't really strong in geography where the ocean was. We're on vacation, right? So I come down there, and the first thing that I see is the swimming pool. And I jump in there, and like, this is it. This is vacation. This is awesome. But my dad is standing outside like, let's go to the ocean. Like, I'm like, no, like, this is the pool. Like, this is as good as it gets. And he's like trying to plead with me in this argument, trying to get me to the ocean. And it felt like this burdensome thing, like I'm in trouble, that I got to get out of the pool where I'm having fun and follow my dad. But I had no idea the fun of nature's wave pool that was just 50 yards away. Like, that's what we do. We settle for things when they're like, there's, no, no, there's something better. Like, like let's go here. So I want to try to plead with you and just to find something better. So here, here's my question. How do we pursue real lasting joy? And I say real and lasting on, on purpose. Like, I'm not trying to sell you a bill of goods. Like, no, like real joy. Like joy you feel and experience in your life. And lasting this isn't just like a fun weekend. Like this is a lifetime, you know, no, even an eternity of joy. How do we pursue that? And I'll give you the answer right away. You're like, ah, oh, we get the answer. This is great. <clears throat> the answer is closeness to God. You're like, oh, that sounds like a church answer, right? Really? Closeness to God? Maybe you wouldn't have come to those conclusions. Or sure, that's what a pastor would tell me. But I want, I want to plead with you. Like I seriously want to plead with you to, to take this Seriously, like we, uh, a couple years ago, we went down to Disneyland, or, or it was like four years ago, and my middle child, who's 16 now, I'm trying to convince her to go on a roller coaster, and it's the Rip Rockin' Roller Coaster, because like straight up, I almost died on it, but that's a story for another time. <laughs> so you're like, if you almost died, why'd you try to convince your daughter that I got problems? But uh, I'm like, no, Johnny, you're going to love it. It's going to be fun. And she's like, I don't think so. Like, this looks scary. It's terrifying. And I'm, like, trying to convince her, get your butt on the roller coaster, child. Like, I'm your dad. Like, you're going to have some fun. Like, we're like, I'll buy you treats. Like, whatever. Just, like, ride a roller coaster with me. Because I knew she would love it. But, but in her mind, no. Like, no, I, I don't like that. And all this convincing. And, and what do we do? We get on the roller coaster. She loves it. Like, let's go again. Like, I feel like there's something like that when it comes to joy in Jesus. You're like, no, I don't think so. I think I'll find it over here. That doesn't look so fun. And I'm telling you, there is no better joy offered in this world than the joy you find in Jesus Christ. And even if you're like, ah, I'm like trust me, I, I want to plead with you to, to kind of look at this seriously. And I'm going to give you the application up front, too. I'm not here tonight to give you something to do, but I want to I give you a perspective to have. And if you can have this perspective, then the actions you need will follow. But, but here's the perspective I want you to have. I want you to see the pursuit of God as the pursuit of joy. These aren't two competing things. Like you don't have to choose between your happiness and your Christian devotion. 
The perspective I want you to have is that your pursuit of God is your pursuit of joy. And this isn't, um, we're, we're eventually going to get to John 15. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Um, but I want to read a handful of passages to you first um, to help you see how big a deal joy is in Scripture. Um, this isn't just somebody trying to make Christianity seem cool. Like, be a Christian, you'll be so happy. Because it's not like, it'll wreck your life. Like, you'll lose friends. Um, it's going to be really challenging. It is the narrow road. But at the same time, it, it will give you the peace and contentment and the joy that you will not find anywhere else. And joy is a theme in Scripture. It's not like just a verse or two. Like, it is a theme throughout Scripture that our satisfaction is found in God. It was lost when we rebelled against God and we think we could kind of improve on ourselves. And it's found back in a reconciled relationship with God. So I'm going to read you just a handful of passages. I think they'll be on the screen. I could literally go all night looking at passages um, that address joy, but I'm just going to read a handful to you to kind of get this idea. This is Luke 2.10. says this, and the angel, this is the announcement of Jesus' birth. So the angel said to them, fear not, talking to the shepherds, for behold, I bring you good news of what? Great joy. We can improve in our participation. That was, good. That was okay. It's a good start. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. He's like, this whole gospel announcement, this is, gonna, this is for your joy. Like the news that I have to tell you is going to produce joy in your life. And then 2 Corinthians 1.24, Paul's talking to the church in Corinth. He says, not that we lord it over your faith. But we work with you for your what? Joy. For your joy. Like our pastoral work, our ministry, our shepherding, this is about your joy. Like we're here trying to fight for your joy, your happiness. Like it's not found outside of Christ. Like our challenging of you, like this is ultimately for your joy, for you stand firm in your faith. Like your firmness in your faith, your conviction of a faithful lifestyle is a part of your joy. This is Psalm uh, 43, 4. Um, so we're seeing already that joy is a major part of the Christian life. But Psalm 43, 4 says this. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding what? Joy. And I will praise you with the lyre. It's like a guitar. Oh, God, my God. Like he's saying, God, you're my exceeding joy. You're my exceeding joy. God is our joy. Or, or this is one of my favorites. This is Psalm 16, 11. He says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of what? Joy. joy. Boy, the enthusiasm. Like, give her the hundred bucks, right? Where's that like? No, I'm kidding. It was grace. You didn't have to earn it. It was just a gift, right? But in your presence, there's the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Like, you're going to find the fullness of joy in the presence of God. Like, pleasures forevermore. Like, God is the author of joy. Who, who created the feeling of joy in us? That's not just a natural reaction. That, that's, that is from God. He is the author. He, like, he came up with it. Like, if you're, you're a drug, he's like, are we doing drug dealer illustrations? No, like, he's, he's a dealer of joy. Like, he's the good stuff. Like, he dishes out the joy. It, it comes from God. He's the author and creator. Of it. Like, he, he gives it out. This is Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all what? Joy. 
joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. God is filling you with joy. Like that's not something you muster up or you got because of your experience or your circumstances. No, this is coming from God. Like God is filling you with joy. There's another one. This is Psalm 37, 4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, sometimes we trust that verse to think like, well, if I delight in God, that means I get what I want, that he's going to give me the desires of my heart. But what he's saying is if you delight in God, he will give your heart desires, and he will satisfy the desires of your heart, like your deep longings. He's, the sat- he's where we find satisfaction. Here's another one. Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, what? Joy. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Like if you're an apple tree, what are you going to grow? Yeah, but yeah, that was like not, a, if somebody's like, joy, no. It's like wrong answer. <clears throat> you're quick though, you're, you're with me. But if the Spirit is in your life, what's going to be produced in you one of, is, is joy. Like that's coming from the Spirit in your life. Like God is the giver of joy. Here's, here's another one. Um, Psalm 4, 7. It says, you have put more, what? Joy. joy in my heart than they have when their grain and their wine abound. What the psalmist is doing is like, I'm looking at the people in this world and where their grain and wine abound. Like you've been prosperous. You're partying. You're, you're, you're wealthy. You're, you're drinking the good stuff. I see that life and I say, oh, the joy I have from God is better than the joy they're experiencing. Like, I would rather have God than that. It's more satisfying. Or this is Matthew 13, 44. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his what? Joy. joy. <laughs> the passion. We're not going to give him more $100 bills, but I love it. He said, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. He says, when you understand the kingdom of God, it's not drudgery. It's not like I ought to. He's like, no, this is like the passion of my life. In my joy, I'll get rid of everything else that I have in order to get that. Here's another one. This is Philippians 3. He says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. It's like the joy that you have in Christ is better than the world. In fact, I would get rid of everything. I count it as loss, or he says rubbish, which the Greek word is more like crap or the other word. It's like, there's a, like no, it's way too, like, I just, it's a pile of crap compared to what I get in Christ Jesus. Like it doesn't compare. There, there's, uh, the joy I have in Jesus is so much better. In fact, Philippians is an interesting book um, because the word joy gets used so much in the book of Philippians. But when you understand the background, Paul's writing it from prison. So I go, wait a second, you're talking about how much joy you have while you're in jail. He's like, yeah, there's, there's a joy that is deeper than your circumstances. Like the joy that you get from, from God surpasses your circumstances. It's not dependent upon your circumstances. In fact, there's a, uh, a missionary story I remember hearing of, of a group of missionaries who were taken captive um, and they were, they were held captive in this hut. It was dark, stank, it was dingy. They were locked in this hut. They didn't have much food to eat. They were malnourished. They would just sing songs to each other to kind of make it through the time. Well, um, they eventually got released, but not like 
shortly. Like, it was a long period of time that they were in there. And after kind of the government situation changed in that country, that group went back to visit. And they were actually standing in that same village, just kind of in, in silence um, because of the weight of the moment. And one of them said, which they all kind of agreed with in this moment, they said, I would give anything to go back to that moment. You mean like the moment that you were held captive, malnourished in that little hut? It's like the closeness that we felt to God in his presence. There's been nothing like it. Like God supplies a joy that surpasses understanding. And if your joy is rooted in your circumstances, I mean, it's, it's, you're going to be up, you're going to be down, you're going to be up, gonna, and it's fragile. Like, things can break it easy. You can be happy one minute, you can be joyful one day, and then it's wrecked the next day. But a joy you have in God is unbreakable. And that doesn't mean, like, life is going to be all rainbows and butterflies if you're a Christian. Like, far from that. It's going to be troublesome and difficult. But you will have a joy that could weather all of it. Like, nothing will break it. It's an unbreakable joy. In fact, there's a passage in Romans 8 that I'll read to you that, that talks about this. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, was raised and was at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who, who shall separate us from, from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Question mark all those. He says, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We regard, are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Like this is our lifestyle. This is our, the difficulties that we deal with. But here's the perspective that we have. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is unbreakable. Like nothing can steal this. Nothing, nothing can change this. Like if you're in God, whatever you go through, it leads to a happy ending. And sometimes the things that choke joy in our life are the stresses that we deal with and walk through. Because we're so focused on them that we don't see how our life is promised to end in Christ Jesus. But he's saying, if you're in Christ, you have, you have a happy ending no matter what. You have joy waiting for you. In fact, our, our oldest son, uh, I've shared this before, but when he was young, uh, he was firstborn, like really weird worrier. Um, like, Eight years old, coming down to check to see if we turn the oven off. It's like, yeah, Mo, we got it. Okay, we're adults. We'll cover this. But he just kind of panicked a lot. And if my wife and I would go for a walk and we would leave him home, he was like, no, don't, don't leave me alone. Like, boy, what, what's going to happen? And, he, and he'd have this kind of worry, and we would play a game with him. We would call it the then what game. So if we're going to go on a walk, he's like, don't leave me by myself. Like, Mo, what are you, what are you afraid of? He's like, well, what, what if... Uh, you don't come back. It's like, well, then what? It's like, well, then I'm left all alone. Okay, well, then what? It's like, well, what? Then kidnappers are going to come and get us. Like, he'd go dark quick. Like, he's just worried. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, then what? It's like, well, then they're going to take us away. Yeah, and then what? It's like, well, then, then he may kill me. It's like, right, then what? It's like, 
then I'll be with Jesus. Like, great, we're going to go on a walk then. We'll be back, right? <laughs> Just relax. But you kind of have to like, get to that conclusion of if you're in Christ, like you have a joy that should not be stolen by the, the stresses and worries of a day. You're going to think, you guys are terrible parents. <laughs> but guys, listen, here, here's what I want to tell you. This is good news, and it's, it's going to get better, but this is really good news. God cares about your joy. And you think you care about your joy? God cares about your joy more than you. And oftentimes, you're ignorant in how you look for your joy. But God is deeply passionate about your satisfaction. But he doesn't just care about your joy from a distance. Like, oh, I sure hope you, this life works out for you. I sure hope you find your happiness. No, God has made real, lasting, unbreakable joy possible for you. Because when he came and died and redeemed you, he made a way for you to be reconciled to the joy giver of God. So John 15, let's go there. I just got three verses to look at. John 15. We're going to do verse 9, 10, and 11. Verse 9, it says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. So right off the bat, you need to know that the one who's talking to you loves you. And he cares about your, your joy. He says, the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And then he says, abide in me. Now, that abide can be a, a churchy word, but it just means like, stay here. Don't, don't drift, don't wander, like stay connected to me. Stay, stay with me. Don't, don't chase after the other things of this world, but, but you, you stay uh, tethered to me, and particularly my words and my teachings, and in a relationship with me. And then in verse 10 it says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So now we get some practical um, example of what abiding looks like, keeping his commandments. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So, for clarity, he is talking about obedience. Now, we hear that word obedience, and it sounds like a bad word for us. Or we certainly don't connect it to joy. Obligation, I'm supposed to, right and wrong, sure. But we don't connect obedience with joy. Like, obedience is like, if you're telling me I have to do something, I probably should do it, but I probably don't want to do it, and something that I shouldn't do sounds more fun. And here he's talking about joy, and we'll see that in a little bit. But he, but he brings some clarity, like, I want you to abide in me, and here's what abiding looks like. Obey my commandments. Obedience. Now, I'm telling you, obedience is a key part of joy. I, and I know um, disobedience is often the doorway to momentary pleasures. Like, I'm going to do something I'm not supposed to do, and I'm going to have some fun, probably followed by regret and all kinds of complications and problems. And we know how to find that. Everyone in here knows how to find that. What we don't know how to find is kind of this real lasting contentment, peace, and joy. And he's saying, well, it's not, it's not a disobedience, it's an obedience. Like obedience is a big deal if you're serious about your joy. And lasting joy is what we're talking about here. Um, uh, so obedience is key. Now, for example, just like when the Israelites uh, were rescued out of Egypt, you guys know that story? Okay, there's a guy named Moses like Prince of Egypt, right? The Israelites were, were enslaved for 400 years. Uh, God shows back up, uh, works through Moses, does these uh, amazing acts of 
of power um, that, that actually, we don't have time to get into it, but kind of uh, target all the Egyptian gods. And what he's saying is, I'm the real God. And he, sh- he shows out, right, through, through Moses and, and eventually ending in Passover um, that freed the Israelites from Egyptian slavery. They, they part the Red Sea. They, they cross on dry land. They're going into this promised land. And what does God give Israel right after their freedom? The law. It's like, are right, you're free. Here's some rules. Like, I thought we were free. You are. Here's some rules. Now, it's important to know that he didn't give the law to the Israelites while they were still slaves and say, hey, if you follow these rules, I'll be back in about 10 years, and if you do a good job, then I'll get you out of here. No, he freed them based on grace and his love. Like, I rescued you. You didn't earn it. That just happened. Like, and now you're my people, and because you're my people, I'm giving you rules. Like, I give my kids rules because they're my kids. I don't give other people kids rules. Like, those aren't my kids. But part of them being belonging to me is like, well, here's what it means to be in each. Here's how we behave. Here's, here's how we act. He gives his people rules. And it's like, you are my people. Here's how my people live. Here's how my people act. And he says, if you obey these rules, it's going to go well for you in the promised land. If you disobey these rules, it's not going to go well for you in the promised land. Like, my rule, th- this obedience is for your good. It's for your joy. Because guess what? When I was that little kid uh, at that all-inclusive resort in Mexico swimming in the pool and my dad stood on the outside, what did I first have to do in order to experience the fun of the ocean? I had to obey my dad. Even though I was perfectly content in the pool swimming around. So he's like, I had to get out. I had to listen and obey my dad who had something better for me. Like obedience is not... A bad thing. When you trust God and you think he has your best in mind, obedience is a good thing. We need, to, we need to get this. We tend to miss this. But this is the why behind morality. And oftentimes you're given commands to morality without the why. Hey, don't sleep with your boyfriend. <laughs> why? I mean, sounds fun. Everyone's doing it. Why? Just, just don't, all right? Just don't. The Bible says so, so don't. Christians are supposed to, so don't. Let's, I mean, just don't do it. Don't ask questions. Just don't, right? You're just kind of like, here's the rules, but you're never given the why behind the rules. This is the why. It's for your joy. And this comes down to faith, because faith is, from your perspective, is like, no, I think I know what's best for me. I think I know what will satisfy my soul. I think I know what will make me happy. But faith is saying, okay, God, I think you have a bigger perspective than I do, and you can see around the corner that I can't see, and you see what I don't see, and actually trusting you is better for my joy than trusting myself. That's faith. But the obedience is like, I'm obeying you, not just because I'm supposed to, but because that's that's the key to joy. This is the why behind devotion. Why do you read your Bible? Why do you pray? Well, because I'm supposed to, right? Just, just do it. Just shut up and do it. Like, I don't know. You're supposed to do it. Somebody told me to do it. I'm trying to do it. Why, why, why though? Your joy. To know God, the giver of joy. It's a pursuit of joy. Like, this is why we do these things. Now, I don't know if you guys 
hopefully we see you on Sunday sometimes, but we've been working through the book of Hebrews. In fact, this Sunday we're getting into the first part of chapter 12. And it gives this example of Jesus, this amazing example of Jesus um, who endured suffering. And it gives the reason or the motivation for why he did it. And what it says in uh, the first three chapters or the first three verses of chapter 12 is he did it. It was for the joy that was set before him. Like, why did you endure the cross? For the joy or because there was joy set before him. Like, that's, that's why he endured it. Like, there's joy set before you. There's a self-serving um, side to Christianity that people tend not to talk about. And I don't mean it like in uh, health and wealth prosperity, but there is a self-serving side to Christianity. And you're like, no, no, Christianity is about dying to yourself, right? Lose your life. Yeah, but why? In order to find it. He's saying lose your life in order to find it. Or it's like, no, it's about, you know, not, you know, promoting yourself and becoming great. It's about being a servant. Yeah, you want to know how to be great? Be a servant. It just flips it upside down. But it's not about you abandon a pursuit of greatness. It's just you do it through being a servant. You don't abandon the pursuit of joy. You just do it by losing your life to find the one that God offers you. Why, why are you supposed to be generous? Right? Just because you're supposed to? Well, he says be generous to store up treasures in heaven. Like there's this reward, self-serving aspect to Christianity. You're saying this is the pursuit of my joy. This is why I'm doing this. There's a guy, uh, John Piper. I don't know if you guys may read any of his stuff. Okay. There you go. You should. It's good stuff. Uh, but uh, he's kind of championed this term called Christian hedonism. Now, some of you are like, well, I know what hedonism is. <laughs> All for that one, right? Hedonism is, is, is this idea of the pursuit of pleasure, right? That I'm just going to go out and pursue pleasure like that's the greatest joy. Well, Piper talks about Christian hedonism. Now, what it isn't is saying you can be a Christian and still chase after wherever you can find pleasure. That's not what he's saying. Christian hedonism is saying real pleasure is found in God. Like he's the satisfier of my soul. He, he's the giver of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Like if I'm really passionate about pleasure and joy, I'll be passionate about God. In fact, he has this saying um, that he says often that, the, that God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him. Like when we see God as the satisfier of our joy, that makes God look good. Like, oh, I don't, I don't like the song you sang. There's nothing better than you. It's not that, I, that I'm begrudgingly following you. Like, no, you're the pursuit of my life. You're, you're joy. That makes God look good. Like, so if I, um, if I take my wife on a date uh, and I'm talking to the guys and I'm like, yeah, I need to take her out tonight. I mean, I am her husband after all and. It's something I got to do. Something I got to do. And they're just like, Whew, boy, you are a committed husband. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Pray for me, okay? <laughs> like, does that make her look good at all? But it makes like, wow, look at my devotion. The things that I go through. I mean, for her. It's for her. It's commanded. It's in my job description. Like, no, that doesn't. But if I'm like, that's my boo. Like, I can't. <laughs> 
like, I said, I'm pumped for this night. Like, I, I can't wait to be with her. Like, this is like, and then it's like, that makes her look good because I have so much fun when I'm with her. Like, this is the, this is the best night of my week. It's like, well, you're being awful selfish. Is it all about you and your fun? No, it makes her look good because I'm saying my fun and enjoyment is time with her. That glorifies her. The same thing when it comes to God. It's like when we're saying, no, I want to I be in your word. I, I want to follow you. I want to know you more. That's like that makes God look good, not just like, well, just really trying to follow God. I mean, I'd rather be over, you know, but I just, that doesn't, that's, that's not what we're called to. So here's, here's what you need to know. Your joy and your Christian devotion are not opposed to each other. Your joy and your Christian devotion are not opposed to each other. And if we don't get that, then God is just drudgery. He's just, he's an ought to in your life. And you may still believe in God, but if that's the case, you don't really represent God. And if you don't really represent God, then maybe you don't get it. That everlasting joy and satisfaction and peace are found in God. He is the prize. And we have to have faith. Because faith, hear me now, faith is not just about the forgiveness of your sins so you can go to heaven someday. Faith is believing that true satisfaction is found in God. He's the satisfier of my soul. He's the joy of my life. That, that's, it's believing that who God is is the real expression of faith. So look at verse 11, last one. It says this. These things I have spoken to you, and here's why, that my, what? Joy! Killing it, man. You're killing it. That my joy may be in you and that your, what? Joy! Just once? Okay, it's all right. It's all right. That your joy may be full. Now, get this. Get this now. Think about this. He's saying, here's why I'm, here's why I'm giving you these commandments, that I want my joy to be in you. And your joy to be full. In other words, like, I have a joy that's greater than you, but I want to share it with you. And you may think you have joy, but you don't understand it. You don't have as much joy as you would have if my joy was in you. You track it with me? Like, I could fill you up if you would stop settling for the mud pies in the slum. If you just stop fooling around with drink and sex and ambition and everything this world has to offer that you just kind of settle for, I would give you joy that's more full than you could imagine. I have a greater joy for you. We miss it. And sometimes, like, looking at it, you may not make that conclusion. When, I was, uh, uh, when my kids were young, we would go to the pool, uh, the city pool, quite a bit in play, and... Um, like diapers young, and they would want to play in the kiddie pool because they're kiddies. Like, that makes sense. But I'm in there, like, it's just me and a bunch of moms. I look like a beached whale in the kiddie pool. <laughs> Not cool. So what I'm, like, trying to convince the kids, like, let's go to the deep end. Like, no, no, come with daddy. Like, I'll play. It's like, they can't swim. Like, no, but I got you. Like, I got, like, come, come out here. And, like, this convincing thing. And finally, it's like, I stand them up on the edge of the pool. I'm standing deep into them, but it's like, you know, up to my chest, and I'm just like, this is fun. Like, let's go. And they're just terrified. They're looking at me. They're looking at the water. And I, I never picture it from their vantage point because at their vantage point, they're just like, this is a leap to my death. Right, guy? 
I know I can't swim. And I'm looking at my father and like, would he catch me? Like, this is such a moment of trust and faith. And I'm just like, jump, I got you. Like, this is so much better than the kiddie pool. Let's do it, right? And they're just kind of like edging, like, am I going to jump? Am I going to jump, right? And Mo, I'm like, Mo, come on, jump. Like, I'm trying. Now I'm starting to get, like, a little offended. Like, do you not think I can catch you? Like, why are you? Jump. Like, let's go. Like, this is, everybody's watching. And he's getting ready to jump. Uh, and he jumps. And I turn. No, I didn't kidding. I caught him, right? Like, I caught him. His head goes underwater. I pick him up. And he's like, ah, he's smiling. And it gets back up on the, and he's just doing it again and again. It's like so much fun. We go back to the pool just runs right by the kiddie pool. Like, Dad, let's go. Let's go to the deep end. Because there is something better. And I'm telling you, like, you can live your life in the kiddie pool of this world. But there's something better. And your, your heavenly father is like, dude, jump. Like, I got you. Like, I'll put my joy in you, and your joy will be full. There's more joy in a life with me than, than over there doing that stuff. But do you have that kind of faith? Guys, closeness to God leads to fullness of joy. Closeness to God leads to fullness to joy. And as you get this, here's what's going to happen. Sin is still going to be tempting. Bible reading is still going to be hard. But your motivation behind it is no longer an ought to, but it's a pursuit of joy. And when you do it, you're going to find it. Because God is real, and he will catch you. And he gives you a peace that transcends all understanding. And he will fill your joy. And the other thing that's going to happen is everyone in your campus is looking for joy. Ignorantly, but looking for joy. And the irony is they're just consumed with worry and stress and problems. But what if they saw Christians, Salt Company students, as the most joyful, content, hope-filled people they'd ever been around. I'm guessing they're going to want to know where you found it. And you can tell them. Let's pursue God passionately for the sake of your joy. Your joy and your Christian devotion are not at odds with each other. It's the same pursuit. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, I for myself and, and all these students in the room, forgive us of our ignorance when we, when we really by our actions think other things are better than you and we pursue other things to satisfy us when you alone are the giver of joy. And I pray that you would just give a hunger in our hearts and a faith in our minds to connect the dots that a pursuit of you is a pursuit of joy and we would pursue you is if our happiness depends upon it, because it does. We love you. We thank you for caring about our joy and not just caring about it from a distance, but coming and making real lasting joy a possibility for us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.